Great. We're letting you guys all in. Thank you so much for showing up for this webinar. We really appreciate it. I'm very excited about this because a lot of times we talk about how to train the core, how to train your triceps, you know, what should we be eating? And, and while all those topics are valuable, we sometimes forget about business and we ha and, and it's kind of like an ugly word. But I think it's, extre it's extremely important because successful business, successful sales lets us change the world. And so I've got three great panelists with, you to, with us tonight. I'm Sarah Cooperman. I'm the CEO of SCW Fitness Education and Water in Motion and the new SEAT program, which we're very excited to launch. If all of you will do me a favor, please, and move your mouse, go to the bottom of the page, you'll see the green share button. Go to the left, you will see the chat box. Please click on that, type in your name and where you're from. We have a small, believe it or not, we have a small webinar tonight. We have about, I think Sean told me, almost 130 people register. Um, and we think we'll end up with maybe 40, 50 people that'll show up. So this means, Barbara Fullerton from Plano, Texas, this means that if you have a question, you're live, you ask it, we're going to work with you and we're going to answer it. So I really try to stay on top of these things. And, and Sean, who, Sean Senegin is running our webinar tonight. Um, if he notices something that's very important, he may be able to answer it and he also will text me if, something's, if something needs addressing. So what we're going to talk about in the next 45 minutes um, is we're going to talk about sales. Um, Ann Gilbert is an owner of a Shapes Fitness for Women franchise and a sold-out international presenter, and she is featured regularly in publications and on local TV. So this is, pay attention to how she got on TV because this is great for all of us if we could do this. She's an SCW faculty member leading a variety of certifications, and she's the co-founder and choreographer of the new SEAT program, Seated Exercise for Active for Ageless Training, S-E-A-T. She, she's also a Water in Motion Lead Trainer, and she was awarded the ACE URSA Personal Trainer of the Year Award. So welcome, Ann Gilbert. And then we also have with us Billy Polson. Um, he's a three-time fitness entrepreneur and international presenter, consultant for pioneering trainers and boutique gym owners worldwide. Now we're going to do this. Diacati Fitness is his club, and I know I did it. I was so proud of myself, Billy. Um, it, it's, it's an acronym. He's going to share with us what it stands for, which was awarded San Francisco's top trainer's gym not for the past five years, not for the past 10 years, for the past 16 years. And he does a lot of consulting um, and he assists thousands of business owners with developing the confidence and the momentum with achieving their uh, and, and motivating their brands. Um, we also, I'm really excited to welcome Logan Peters. Logan, Logan uh, was one of our presenters at DC Mania and he actually owns his own gym journey 333 Fitness in Ithaca, New York. He possesses knowledge and proven organizational skills. He's, 
He's very experienced in increasing sales and revenue for individuals and organizations, and his passion is to help people grow and become the best version of themselves, both personally and professionally. <laughs> so Logan and I are gonna stay on after this call and catch up, because <laughs> I need that. Um, so the first question we're gonna address, and all of you, I think, are pretty much aware that we have 45 minutes. So we really try to stick to that and make sure if you have questions or comments, shoot it in the chat box because we really do want to hear from you. We've got people from all over, um, which is Sacramento, California, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Francisco, Chevy Chase, Maryland, Minnesota, and all, you know, all over the place. So we love this. We love this. Um, I'm going to start with you, Billy. What are some of the most common misconceptions around sales that you see in the fitness industry? First one I'm going to mention is, is personal trainer centric. Uh, Diakati, our facility is a personal trainer facility. So definitely that's a lot of my perspective. Um, it is the mistake of only selling packages as folks walk in the door. When folks walk in and they say, I want to lose 30 pounds and run my first marathon. And your, you, your response is, all right, let's start with 10 sessions and see where it goes. There's not a connectivity of your product that you're selling them uh, to what they actually came you for came to you for. So anything that we can do as an industry, not just in training, but as folks come to us with goals and needs to create a comprehensive program that directly fits their needs. If they want to lose 30 pounds, let's say they can lose a pound a week on average, then maybe that's going to be a, at least a six month program that you sell to them. So again, think about what your goals are, the goals of your clients, and try and create comprehensive programs and products that will specifically meet their goals and give them a solution to what they're looking for. I love that. Find their goals, find out their problem areas, and provide a solution. Um, I'm going to jump here to a totally different topic, but how do you do that? I mean, if somebody walks in the, who's your front desk staff? Who's going to you know, meet and read them? And I love that you asked that because that is one of the first things I work on with almost all of my clients, trainers and studio owners is, especially right now, is to make sure that your intake process, your consultation process has taken a huge uptick in its individualization and its one-on-one -on -one connectivity so that there truly is an onboarding process for no matter what type of uh, fitness business you own so that you have a really thorough understanding of who the client is, why they're coming to you, how to give them a product that will help them meet their needs, and then also how to reassess if what you've given them is working so that there is a connection that is built from the moment they walk in the door. So they're not just coming and joining for a membership and let's see where this goes. They're truly there to meet their needs and ideally to get the results that they came to you for. And Logan, I saw you kind of nodding. Um, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, coming from journey, you know, we just franchised a while ago and Travis is the owner is definitely a systems guy. So I've had the pleasure of building some of these sales systems and, you know, Billy hit it. Uh, I think one of the misconceptions is we just get caught up trying to sell like our gym equipment in our space. But really what we're trying to sell is, is people on their goals. We're trying to sell them and get bought into, you know, our fitness facility can help them meet 
those goals, whether they're coming to, to the gym with weight loss or maybe they want to run that 5K, how do we sell our program to fit their goals? You know, if someone comes to me and they want to do pull-ups, I'm probably not going to show them how to do more squats. Away. I'm going to take them over to a pull-up bar and say, hey, this is where we can teach you how to do more pull-ups and work with you on how to do more pull-ups. So, you know, how do you adapt to their goals? And, uh, you know, that that's the true selling point right there. Uh, nicely, and, nicely put, Billy. <laughs> and, Ann, you, the, you know, before we turned the camera on, you were talking about making people feel comfortable. And I think that's so important because if we don't make them feel comfortable the minute they walk in the door, they're not going to share their goals or their their secret wishes of losing that five, five pounds or watching or, or, or joining in that 5K or simply trying to be able to lift up their grandchildren. So how do you accelerate um, and approach somebody to make them feel comfortable and but the same token, work with your staff and make your staff able to make people feel comfortable. Well, thanks, Sarah. I really think that these guys are spot on that we don't sell a membership anymore. We sell a continuum, really moving from, from A to B. And if they're comfortable at point A, then it's easy for us to move them along to point B and C along the, well, the, the journey, if you will. We use overuse that word, but we sell programs now instead of memberships. And that first initial visit is so important. I agree with the guys 100%. If I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, I'm not going to be able to move from point A to point B. So we sell um, our ladies on the idea that they can feel comfortable in their own skin. They don't have to worry about being seen in a mirror. We have very few mirrors in the club anymore. They don't have to achieve a certain goal weight to start, but we're selling confidence and comfortable fit. And we got a, a comment from Diana. Diana said for some people it may be their first time going to a wellness center or a gym setting. And I love how she first put wellness center because I think this pandemic has shifted things. So um, Billy, how do we deal with these first time gym goers? And then I'm gonna ask you a deeper question about a five year plan that Barbara brought up. Uh, it, you know, it's a Diacati is a great example of that idea, excuse me, that idea of community and comfortableness. It's literally one of the number one things that we talk to our team about that as folks walk in the door, we have a lot of folks who, who don't want to see themselves in the mirror. They've never been into a gym environment before and they're coming to us to feel safe in that way. So as they walk in the door, Anything you can do for it to feel like a relationship is being built and you're welcoming and you're, you're very authentically giving them um, a hug <laughs> in this COVID environment, but you're giving them what would feel like a hug and a, a really warm, glowing reception. So your front desk is not necessarily, again, a check-in front desk. Your front desk is this glowing uh, representation. They are the owner of your gym on day one for that client walking in the door. So they have to have that heart-led, truly sincere vibe as folks come in on day one. And it's it just about meeting them where they are and really talking to them like uh, uh, just as if they're another human being that you know and you are really caring about. 
And it's interesting. I mean, we do that at our Mania conferences. We uh, we have Beth Caney, who's our, actually she's our sponsor director, but what she does is she's at our front desk and just the nicest person you want to talk to. And, and Tracy Carr is our event coordinator, just the nicest person you want to talk to. Sean Senegin, who's our creative director, who's filming at the conference, he's not so nice, but we, <laughs> he's leading this webinar tonight. But may, choosing the right person is key, right? It's, it's tough right now because it is hard to find those folks. But if you are interviewing, I, the last thing I'm interviewing for is their ability to handle Excel spreadsheets. I am 100% interviewing for Glow. Like I want someone that I'm excited to see every morning at 540, much less the clients. And Logan, how do you go about finding that? You're a systems dude, you know, you're writing these systems for Journey 333. Um, how, how do we find these people? Yeah, I think um, there's always that saying, you know, Billy says we look at Excel spreadsheets last, like that's something you can learn. You know, a certification is something you can you can go on and get and pass with, with uh, you know, books and and but you can't teach that positive attitude you can't teach that energy that people skills that people bring to the floor um and, and a strategy just to touch on what billy was saying you know have that person smiling and, and give them that uh now covid hug right make them feel welcome uh one thing we like to do a journey you know say you're in a class you have one coach we try to connect people if they're coming through the door like hey you have to meet this member i think you're gonna we try to connect people with the community as soon as they walk in that door and form relationships with other members, they almost feel obligated. Like, Oh, I have to come back. I got to hang out with my new friend. Uh, so that's, that's just something we really focus on is get people connected as fast as you can to that positive community. So they feel like they need to come back and they want to come back. I like that. And, and you, you, did you see me go like this? <laughs> yes, I did. You guys, since COVID, our best hires are our own members. They can share from the get-go exactly what someone's going to feel like in the facility. So it's more than, it's so much more authentic. So our best and new employees in the last two years have come from our member base. And they're sharing their experience. We've also been very successful in removing some of the extra equipment. I was telling the guys before we started in creating social spaces. That was a strategy we learned from one of the manias this past year, creating more social opportunities because we know not just in women's only, they're walking through the door because they want to get out and they want to feel safe and confident, but they want to stay longer. So we've actually put in um, work study areas, we removed excess equipment that women weren't really excited about. It's been giving us an opportunity to really help them move along the continuum. Best employee comes from the club. I think that's a, I think that's an amazing idea because um, I've been taking hot yoga and I'm new to the, to, you know, living in the Snowmass Colorado area and I take hot yoga and there was a woman next to me and I just started talking to her and then we found out we both have dogs and we're going to dog walk together but when we left the gym it, it not even the gym it was just basically a room when we left the room there was absolutely no place to connect and that was really disappointing so and I love that idea of having that social space we did get a question. It, Barbara, I really like your question. Um, 
I've heard that creating a five-year financial plan is not feasible at this time for a business. What would you recommend? Um, I'm going to answer that as a CEO and a business owner. Um, I think you're spot on. You can't do a five-year plan because we don't know what's going to happen in the next three months. So. I would suggest, however, that there are EDIL loans that are coming out now that are, don't, are very low interest, I think is 3.6%, and they don't come due for 24 months for you know almost two years. So at least if you can create a two-year plan, I would kind of stick with two years, and what I would do is create a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario. Um, because Again, we just don't know where this Omicron is going to end up, hopefully, giving us herd immunity. But that's uh, one of a recommendation I might give. Billy, what are your thoughts on that? I love the last part you mentioned. Uh, when this first hit, we created a, a spreadsheet of our profit loss, and we basically had a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan disaster D. And, and we adjusted the variables in every single one of those columns to see what we'd have to cut to survive, what we could keep. Could we keep the fruit? Could we keep the tea? Like it, it, and it just became a very logical plan that we could go back to depending on how our income was. So that hands down, I think that's such a smart suggestion. Yeah. And even though we don't like Excel charts, like maybe we don't hire people because of their Excel chart skills, it's certainly valuable. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, Logan, any thoughts on, on planning? I mean, you're, you're a new club owner. You're, you're a crazy man, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, luckily, uh, the club's been around for five years already, so uh, we had a good community and uh, membership base. Uh, you know, I mean, we took a hit. We actually downsized to a smaller location, but uh, what's the old saying? Failing to plan is planning to fail. I think it's always good to have those options. Uh, best case scenario, have your have your five year plan, but have your backup plans. Have, what if what if all heck hits you know the fan plan? So you always want to make sure you have those backup plans, like Billy was talking about. I think that's that's always good. Great. Your next, you. your next steps. <laughs> and Anne, I always raise my hand. I'm like. Mommy, pick me. So I think it's important also to share more with your leadership team on what the numbers are really saying mm -hmm. and make honest attempts to communicate with the team and the members to a certain extent as to how the business is going and where you visualize the business a year from now, two years from now. It makes people trust that you're working on your business on a daily basis. So I found it successful to share, share the spreadsheets and share the numbers to a certain extent. That's great. Uh, Billy? It, that, I love that. And that, that's been one of the things I think is a very different take on uh, just kind of the transparency of where we all are. Uh, and honestly, for us, it's even come down to being that way with our landlord uh, so that they are very much in the know. And he then has been way more understanding when he had to give us a break. And so, yeah, that transparency is a huge change and, and I think necessary for a lot of us in 20 like the last couple of years for sure oh that's that's great now i'm going to drift back into sales here because we've got a sorry <laughs> I have, no no that's me i'm the bad one i'm and not even bad one barbara i like the questions please you guys keep them coming and what did you give up in your space 
to accommodate and make room for the community area that you built? Yeah, How we did. did. That decision? It was time to look at some replacements and equipment after owning the club for nine years, this particular club. It was time to replace and update, and we decided to really assess who and how many people were using each of the pieces of equipment. We had lots of duplicated pieces of equipment. We invested in small equipment for our small group training areas, especially for our active aging um, areas, and we decreased the need for, in, for selectorized equipment altogether, and also cardio equipment. And it created an opportunity for us to have that work study space and also more social areas. Oh, that was really good. So you're not highlighting as much the cardiovascular machines and the other, you're doing a lot more functional training? Is right, and we really decreased that focus on the old school selectorized equipment because that's not what women are interested in. They're interested in partnering with three or four other people. It's their pod. They brought them back to the club together as a small group that they feel comfortable with. So we have invested invested instead in um, small equipment that's used for functional training, especially for our active agers. And you've done very well with your sales on your small group training. Yes, it's been, uh, it's been a big, big increase. We've seen a big increase in the last couple months in small group training. One, they feel comfortable walking in the door with the friends they made during the pandemic. They feel comfortable, <laughs> right? And they also feel as though they're getting personalized attention and it's not at a discounted rate. We don't discount for our small group training, but it's an enhanced experience. And we've been kind of overusing that word experience, but I feel as though we've been able to deliver a much more valued experience than we did, even in the large group that we used to be our, used to be our focus. Um, and it's, it, we're going to continue to grow that this year. For sure. Oh, that's great. Um, Billy, I know uh, uh, Ducati focuses a lot on personal training. How is your small group training uh, going at the gym and is that assisting you with enhanced sales and more revenue coming in? You know, so we almost 99% are just personal training at Ducati, but some of my business movement clients that are in uh, studios and have small group and large group, the, the advantage that I've seen on the small group is that they can take a step. It's, it's like a go between between group and personal training so that you can actually individualize the programming they're doing. You can actually do some type of assessment, some type of onboarding process that that maybe does some upfront measurements or whatever you're looking to try and assess and then find improvements in. So the small group for my uh, studio owners has been really successful in breaking apart from the Peloton, the general fitness of uh, like random, uh, I'm totally blanking on the name of the spin studio that's so crazy in the world, but uh, getting away from that generic small group fitness and individualizing things yet in a community atmosphere. So that I think is kind of the, the powerful nature of small group training, that individualization yet in a community experience camaraderie it's camaraderie that we didn't yes. have in a large group it's camaraderie it's competition it's collaboration it's all those words and um and i'm going to jump back to you and then logan don't think you're i'm leaving you out of this man i'm, I'm gonna hit on you and you in a minute do you recommend this is by megan um do you recommend any tools to help your trainers start small group training 
Um, uh, is it, you know, if it's out of their comfort zone, um, things like a tribe program or a shift or pre-choreographed program, they might have minimal experience in. So do you recommend any specific tools that have tended to work? It's a great question. We haven't been as successful in branded programming as we have in bringing in the new trainer. We call her the launching trainer, the one that's going to be launching into the small group training setting um, as a co-coach. So we find the co-coaching thing gives her the experience and the confidence that she might need to start her own group or to branch off into her own group. So that's part of the way you train your people to sell yes. is to partner them yeah, with experienced trainer. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great, Logan. Well, how do you train your staff, and what do you, you know, how is small group training working for you? So we're like the opposite of Billy. We're strictly uh, group training facility, but we have over, uh, you know, the pandemic adapted a individual plan if somebody would like to come in obviously it's in different hours than our group training but we've also opened up a small group package uh, but most people tend to gravitate towards that large group uh, i think it's the atmosphere the community that we've built and there's some normalcy there that people are attracted to uh, one group that does come in small they're all friends and they didn't want to be in that large group uh, it's a it's a higher price point for us um, and that's kind of how we packaged it. You don't want to work out with some people you might not know as well as your good friends. Get a group of your good friends together and come work out, you know, or at, at an hour of your choice. So that's kind of been our drive. Um, our one-on-one -on -one is very small. Our one-on-one -on -one training is very small. I think I, I have two clients. One's transitioning back into large group as we as we speak, so... And has the large group been profitable for you? And how do you sell that large group programming? Ours is on an annual basis. So um, that's, it's 147 a month. It's very profitable for us. Um, that's how we've always, uh, that's how we've always kept our business thriving is through large groups. So, yeah. So yeah. it's $147 a month per person? Yes. Yep. That's a high price point. And how are you able to get that? Is it the quality of the instruction, the studio, the locker room, or all of the above? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Um, one of our biggest uh, touches is our accountability system that we have in place. We use this tribe system that our clients are getting contacted almost on a weekly basis. We have, am I missing in action, uh, you know, strategies that we use if people aren't attending so accountability is huge and then we also offer nutrition uh, guidance and counseling um, we have nutritionists uh, trained on our staff as well so okay and logan uh, um diana wanted to know what do you consider a large group compared to a small group like how many people on average might be in the class at 9 30 in the morning and 5 30 at night but versus maybe 11 a.m or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah, so sometimes, not by choice, some of our large group do tend to be small group just because of people who uh, don't show up. But um, yeah, you know, small group, we try to stick between five to seven people. Um, if not, we try to cope, you know, push people into large group if they're going to have a group higher, you know, than five to seven people. Our large groups have been up to 40, you know, 40 members working out. 
Um, not really as much in the pandemic. We've actually limited our number due to space and just trying to make people feel safe, like they have room to work out and not, you know, be on top of one another. So some yeah. of that has changed, but yeah. Could you elaborate just a little bit on the MIA, the missing in action protocol? Yeah. So all of our members sign in, we have an app and they are either not checking in when they get, uh, get into our facility or, uh, if they're signing up and not showing up, it's just a, a quick text that shows us in our app. So our coaches are encouraged right after the class to go through the class list. You look and see, oh, man, you know, John Doe didn't show up today. So let's shoot him a message real quick. Be like, hey, man, I saw you signed up for our 9 a.m. class. What happened? We, we missed you, you know, or were you hiding in the bathroom or something? funny just to uh, touch base and, and it gets a good response and and then they usually they usually definitely uh probably 95 percent of the time show up for their next class they register so oh, that's great so it keeps them accountable what's the program again what do you mean what pro is it your own um um journey 333 program or is it something you another program you subscribe to yeah, we're actually, we're using uh, exercise.com right now. They built an app, uh, app for us. So exercise.com. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so just for a plug, we're actually uh, working on transitioning into using physio. I don't know if you know Brandy Binkley, but she's designing a new app that's going to, we're transitioning. It's kind of a tough subject to talk about because we are moving away from exercise.com. Okay. It'll, it'll have the same feature. But the main thing is you get people to sign up, whether or not you're using exercise or physio or mind body, whatever program they have, you have to sign up, get your coaches to get involved to make sure that the coaches look, the teachers, group X, small group, whatever, if they don't show up saying, why didn't you show up? And maybe if they're a regular that you know, um, to connect with them. That really does build community because it builds that accountability and they're recognized as an individual. I think that's wonderful, Logan, and I think people can do that. Even with our conventions, we reach out to people that came the year before and try to encourage them to come the next year. It, it's important. Billy, you were, chat, you were um, just about to share something. You know, the one thing I'll say, Logan mentioned that, like, for example, their personal training numbers are 1%. Our group numbers are 1%. I just wanted to say for folks, since this is a sales um, discussion, and some folks on here may think, oh, wow, I need to create a group fitness or I need to create a small group. I, I have had lots of examples of clients as well as Diakati that your folks know you and for one specific thing and that's what they go to you for. So I'll just say that it, it is, I mean, and it sounds like Anne is actually kind of the opposite of this, but the there are lots of clients out there that they wanna go to the best personal trainer facility or they wanna go to the best large group facility and it's hard to grow other revenue streams in those facilities just because that's what they come to you for. So just tossing that out there as uh, don't don't feel like it's a slam dunk that you just need to create another revenue stream and run with it. Really go into researching with your clients if that's something that they will really, again, trust you for and come to you for. Just, yeah, side note. Um, Anne. I, I, I gotta agree 100%. You guys know who you are, stick with who you are, and 
master that and become the lead in that area, that demographic. I think one thing too about small group, I just wanted to add before you go on, Sarah, is that it's allowed us to fill in some of those non-prime time hours with people that wanted to come at those off times or what we used to call in the pandemic safe times. And they would bring two or three of their friends with them. So it allowed us to um, give more opportunities for our trainers to stay on board and make more lucrative um, job decisions. And for that reason, we've been able, for that reason, we've been able to keep our trainers. Um, I um, oh, sorry, and I was going to piggy uh, back off of Billy a little bit too, um, just to even touch on one of the misconceptions that, you know, not all gyms are created equal. Uh, we don't do powerlifting at Journey. So if somebody comes to us and is talking to us about powerlifting and want to get powerlifting, we send them to another facility and, and you know, give them a pass to another facility. But that's those relationships are built through going to your chambers and going to, you know, if you have a BMI or BNI in, in your local area to get out and learn what else is out there so that you can piggyback off of them. Uh, and it gives that person that comes to your gym that you might say, hey, you know, we're not going to be a good fit, but I know where you can go to get what the results you want. It might trigger them the next time they're out talking to somebody that says, oh, you know, I really don't want to do powerlifting, but I'm really looking for like a cool group fitness area. They're going to be like, oh, I stopped by journey, you know, so it's going to give them a talking point and a good memory, a good uh, experience to be able to talk about you to their friends and family who might not be into what they're into. Uh, that's very valuable. And in what ways, Billy, I'm going to ask you this, in what ways has selling changed since COVID-19? And I did get a question about, is this in-person or online? I think that that's interesting. Uh, and is the in-person or online based that you're talking to me? About well, it's two questions. What I would like to know is what ways has selling changed since COVID? You know, and I, it, this ties into a lot of what Logan just said. I think more than ever, less, less has changed about selling, in my opinion, than has changed about the importance of knowing who you are and really expressing your differentiators in your marketing so that you will stand out uh, amongst all of the millions of worldwide virtual options now so that you again are really shouting with your loudest voice of what you are amazing at and connecting that to clients in my opinion i think that's that's one of the most important sides is the marketing more than the selling on the selling side for us probably the biggest change is that uh, as we mentioned on the budgeting longer term selling is way tougher uh, for example, I recommended a lot of our trainers uh, prior to COVID, they had what they called a 75% attendance policy. So for clients that held like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 a.m. slot, their clients would sign an agreement that they would pay for 75% of those slots every month. So they, if they were traveled a ton or they uh, had issues with their children, the trainer for a primetime spot was still getting their pay. It's much harder to get folks to agree to that because there's so many unpredictables now, much less a 12 month uh, sign on agreement because of, again, who knows what's going to happen in one month. So th I think that's the biggest change in the selling that flexibility has been so much more important. But again, mm -hmm. I'm going to drive home the marketing of your differentiators is far more important to me of matching to the right clients and getting them in your door. I really like that, Billy. I really like that you brought that up. Um, 
we're always thinking, I'm always thinking about, um, about sales and safety because COVID has made things so unpredictable. Interestingly enough, in the restaurant industry, people have to, at times, if it's a higher end restaurant, prepay, put a $100 deposit down on their reservation and they get charged it if they show up and if they don't show up. And I thought, wow, that's frankly a lot of nerve, right? Um, and we had a restaurant we made a reservation for and their charge was $150. And I called up like that afternoon and said, we can't come, my son's got COVID. And they're like, we don't care. You can do takeout for $150, but we're keeping your $150. I was shocked. But I wonder with the fitness industry, with what we're offering, I know we see ourselves as an incredibly important part of people's lives. I think it's seen more as leisure. And with leisure, maybe we're less likely to be willing to, to make that deposit and um, have it kept. And then, you know, I don't want to be loyal to a place that's going to take my money if my son gets COVID, right? So, Anne, how are you handling stuff like that? Well, I agree with Billy. Um, we've been much more successful with offering um, a month-to-month -month option or a program that lasts three months and giving the people an opportunity to start and finish that program. And then, again, we've earned the privilege of giving them another opportunity for the next three months. And we, instead of selling a paid in full for a year or a commitment, which makes people feel very unsettled in this unsettled time, um, we're showing them exactly what to expect in that three-month period, and they're more apt then to sign up for the next program. So we're doing the short-term programs much more successfully than we did in the past with commitments that people couldn't really feel confident with in this unsettled point. Um, Logan, what do you think about the recurring line of revenue? And what I mean by that is, let's say it's, you know, if it, is it $147 a month that's automatically deducted, and then you can maybe cancel at any time, but it's recurring, or maybe it's $45 a month. Um, what works best for you for you and Journey333? For us, uh, building up on a member's goals and helping them understand that it's going to take longer than 30 days to lose 50 pounds. Um, it's a huge thing. So how do we build them into a longer contract? We, we like to see our members stay for 12 months and then they shift into a month to month. Uh, but we're very, we, we've become more lenient with COVID because there's a lot of fear out there. So we always tell members, you know, we have members, not hostages, but, you know, something does come down to the nitty gritty and you have to get out of the membership. That's okay. Um, mm -hmm. We do let them know we do have a cancellation fee. If you cancel within 10 days of your payment, your next month, it will come out. But then we reward them with a gift card for a month when they come back. So if it's something they can't use, it gives them something in their hand, even though, you know, because we're up front, it's that transparency. We say, hey, you know, we count your money into the budget. We count that payment. So if you're canceling, you know, the day of your payments due, it's still going to come out because we've already made a plan for that cash. But here's a, a month gift certificate. When you're ready to come back, you can come back for that first month. You know, it's basically on them, right? Because they already paid, but it gives them uh, uh, something in hand to get back to the gym as soon as they can. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's very valuable. Um, Billy, how do you, 
I'm, I'm going to drift into, I've gotten two questions now about online. I want to know your pricing online versus live. I'd also like to know, do you see more people coming back live instead of online now since, well, maybe we, I don't know. <laughs> Omicron is scary, but we had like a nice dip there before everybody got it. Uh, what's happening with you guys? <laughs> and we were talking about this a little earlier before we hopped on. Um, uh, for us, the virtual side, is, again, a very personal trainer centric on the first part of this answer. The uh, personal trainer side for folks that are truly doing uh, like corrective performance assessment based individual personal training. That is 100% coming back in person as quickly as it can uh, is not necessarily coming back in the studio. We definitely have lots of folks who are, are doing home visits or training in their garage or in the park. Uh, so the, getting trainers and clients into the studio is still a challenge. But personal training, it, again, if it is truly individualized training, is headed back towards one-on-one -on -one in person for, excuse me, for sure. Uh, the virtual side, uh, I, I think on the small group side, I think is still a lot in the air. So that's why I was mentioning earlier, the more I feel like that you can individualize the training and the connectivity that you're doing with folks in the community type environment, that is what's going to drive folks back in the house. Uh, at least that's what we're seeing on our side. And Anne, what do you see between online and live? And we're seeing less interest in online and a decline in our online services. Um, people want to come in and they want to be with us. They want that socialization, but they still are nervous about canceling. So we do have a cancellation policy similar to Logan's, but we call them alumni. And it's been, and I've used it before in other presentations, Sarah, but people love to be called an alumni. If they have to cancel, welcome them back as an alumni. Like I graduated from Purdue University. I will give Purdue money for the rest of my life because they call me part of their family. So I think it's really, really important that when you are in these unsettled times and you're working through whether they're canceling on digital or whether they're canceling in-house, to make sure that they feel part of the family. So they'll walk back in the door and not feel like they have a big label on their forehead, canceled member. Oh, I like that. I love, I love the name alumni. I can't believe that we are just about out of time. It always blows me away how quickly these things go. You get a very short, I know Logan, you're great at short. <laughs> um, what do you think has, has been your best sales strategy like five words or less right yeah, me my best sales process uh is that question you ask when they walk through the door what are you looking for in a fitness facility what are you looking for because the first thing you're going to uh, snag from somebody is their goals and that's going to guide the rest of their experience there and the rest of how you structure the sales tour you're about to take them on what are you looking for? And they're going to come at you. Oh, my wife said I got to lose weight or, you know, I'm, I'm my pants are fitting a little tight and you've got that trigger. You've got that goal. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. I'm cutting you short, man. We got to get Billy, <laughs> Billy short too. <laughs> it has been not focusing on the sales process. It is focusing on creating a freaking amazing product 
that literally they cannot say no to uh, being the most educated, being the warmest and the most connected and honestly having a, an unexpectedly amazing customer experience. It has been all about the product. All about the product and agree, agree, agree. But don't forget to ask how they heard about you. Find <laughs> out if you're spending your marketing monies in the right place. That's great because we are living during difficult times. I'm going to share with you guys. We have a, our great DC convention that's coming up, um, coming up very soon. We are talking uh, February 25th through 27th. Here we go. And then we've also got, can you guys see my Active Aging Summit? We've got our Active Aging Summit that's going to be completely live streaming. So if you don't feel like traveling to D.C., March 19th through 20th, we have a two-day conference that is on Active Aging. So I want to thank you guys for joining us, Sean Senegin. I want to thank you for hurting us cats and getting us all here. And uh, Meha, our new designer, welcome to you. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Logan. Thank you, Billy. You guys are awesome. We'll see you at Mania. Take care, everybody. Have a good night and uh, wear a mask. <laughs>